everyone. Thanks for checking out Indie Handshake, the wrestling podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by Matt Carlos. How are we doing today? Hey, good. How's it going? Real good this morning. Uh, doing good. Excited to be on the show, too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I've had on a lot of people you've wrestled with. Mm-hmm. on the show. So having you on is, you know, I like to, I like to try to find connections wherever I can. Uh, for instance, uh, I'm going to be interviewing someone next week uh, after this. Uh, it's going to be a surprise, but I'll, it's someone else <laughs> deeply involved with you. Oh, very cool. <laughs> so uh, let's start off, you know, with the typical stuff here, how we got started in wrestling, but more important to me is how you transition from that into finding out about the mystical world of independent wrestling. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, like, just how I started with wrestling, like, the first memory I have is, like, um, watching Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania six. It must have been some kind of rented videotape somewhere that we got. I don't think we watched it live. Uh, and then uh, from then on, I was hooked. Like, the, all the colors, all the uh, bright lights, and these larger-than-life uh, characters. Um, totally hooked me from day one. Before I knew it, I had like all the little action figures, wrestling ring, the blue Hasbro wrestling ring set up and all the action figures go with it. Um, and then I just created my own world from there. Whenever I wasn't watching it, I was doing it in, uh, with my figures and stuff. So I was always hooked from there. And then of course, you know, hang out at the thrifties and read the magazines and, you know, go to the stores, buy whatever movies you, they release then. Uh, revolved around wrestling uh, and pretty much grew up with it um, ever since I was young. Uh, And then there was a big boom in middle school for me, like when The Rock and Stone Cold, the Attitude Era got real popular where all of a sudden everyone liked wrestling. Um, But, you know, whenever you get in, it's all good. You know, everyone loves wrestling, so that's cool. Um, And then I would say that was like my teen years where everyone got in and then probably a little bit in the middle of high school, I figured out about indie wrestling. Um, I went to high school in Newark, uh, or I'm sorry, I went to high school in Union City. And then um, you, just like uh, we kind of mentioned in the little pre-show of us talking and meeting each other with BTW, uh, that was one of the first indie shows I ever found out about. I was at like, uh, like I said, in high school, uh, going to the movies or something. We went to the burger joint afterwards and then uh it was actually Wild Storm who was there uh, working at like the burger joint across the street. And he saw I had a Hardy Boys shirt or uh, something on. He's like, oh, hey, you like the Hardy Boys? You like wrestling? You should check out this indie show. And I never- Always be promoting. Always I'm be promoting. Totally. And you never <laughs> really know how much that one little like, oh, hey, you should check this out. Like it, it really hooks people to go because they're just like us where they love wrestling when they were growing up or like. Oh, you know, I was into it then, but not so much now, but you know, I'll support you. I'll check it out, you know? So it's kind of a really cool, like little thing. And that was my first introduction was BTW from there. Um, and then I just like never really did anything solid when I was there. You know, I hung out, you know, helped set up the ring and hung around, but nothing really, maybe I went once to grab waters or something like that, but I never did any official kind of training there or anything like that. Um, I think I was just too young at the time. I, but I know listening to a, a Dark Sheik's interview, uh, she got started way earlier than I, like in mid-teens. But um, I just don't think for me, it was re- I was ready at that time. Um, so I uh, waited a couple more years. And then I kind of hung around like um, the other place I went to was Pro Wrestling Iron, funny enough. Um, I was just a little kid with a camcorder and some DV tapes. And I would just, uh, you know, oh can I record you guys at show and then you know I'd give them the DV tapes afterwards and then you know never really hear anything or see anything or hey we let's get you back but you know um, it, that only happened for a couple shows and I was only really uh, attending those shows kind of towards like the end of it where it started to go down and there was maybe like six people in the crowd but like some of those I remember being the best wrestling shows ever like Vinny Massaro uh, um, who else was out there uh, Ray Kujimura, like guys like that. Like it was so crazy. Even like I think some of the early Sacramento guys, like I remember seeing uh, um, Ryan Crowley out there doing the arcade mm-hmm. gimmick. Virgil also love Virgil. Um, but yeah, I remember doing a little, being a little uh, 
camera kid and just holding it there. And then uh, I did that for maybe a little bit, but then they shut down. And then, uh, of course, not too far away from Pro Wrestling Iron was APW, not to be too long-winded. Holy moly. Uh, But uh, uh, APW, and that's where I officially started to train there. Called Roland, got signed up, started January 2006. Um, Who was training at that time? At that time, uh, this was like Venice DeMarco's first uh, uh, first class he was running. Typically, it was Dana Lee, uh, karaoke kid. He was uh, doing it at that time. Um, he was doing like semi-pros. So they halved it up between beginner, semi-pro, and Venice DeMarco was doing the uh, beginner. So it was like 25 guys, and 25 guys became 12. 12 was six. It lasted for six for a good minute, and then six became four. Four became two. Two became one. And then, uh, you know, it's just me pretty much for my class. Um, and it's like old school style, you know, two years of training, two and a half, you know, yay, all the bumps, all the chops, all the heat, you know, heat nights, you know, cardio nights. That was fun, you know. Uh, guys like Kafu and Derek Sanders, like training you, telling you what to do and doing all these drills and uh, blowing up, you know, doing all that fun stuff when you're young in the business. <laughs> and uh, when you started off doing that, you know, obviously there's the the shock of like, oh, now I'm taking bumps. Oh, OK, this this hurts. Uh, but besides that, like, how did you find the other, you know, more nuanced approaches like, oh, like psychology, putting a match together? How did you find that? Uh, as far as like a learning curve for yourself? Um, you know, I still think I kind of uh, am always learning, of course, but uh, the uh, bumps, like you said, they hurt, but it was like fun because like, oh shit, this is what I've been waiting for. This is it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to like the psychology of a match and stuff, I think probably it was a little more... Uh, maybe of a bigger deal that I made it because it is really easy when you calm down and think about it and not overthink. But when you're young and like, Oh, I got to get this move in and I want to show everybody that I could do this, that like um, you, then it really gets confusing. But now as I see, as I go into matches, like, you know, I'll just, you know, look at the fans and, you know, flick my hair, do something cocky here. And then I, you know, I know that's more, going to get me more heat than trying to hit a guy a thousand times with my forearm, you know, it's not that yeah. style. It's more of like an entertainment kind of storytelling. Um, so that was kind of like a bit of a shocker, but uh, um, I feel like I adapted well and kind of like to always throw in a little bit of different creative ways of getting into different, uh, different uh, times in the match and stuff like that. And uh, have you found any outside inspirations to moves that you want to do in the ring or things that you want to do? Uh, for instance, like when I talked to Vinny Massaro, he mentioned, you know, grabbing stuff off of tech and video games and being like, this is, I'm going to do a move based on this thing here. And like, now he has like a Cormier driver that he does. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, do you find have any inspiration like that, that came outside the world of wrestling? Um, I would say not as far as like moves go. Cause like all my uh, the stuff, things I do are very much like wrestling based, but I do steal like little things here and there from different areas. Like some will be like high flying. Some will be like, uh, luchas. I've even stolen some things from like, uh, like minis a little bit, you know, I kind of see what they do and how I could adapt it to myself. And I've done that. But, uh, other things like, uh, I'll always try to take inspiration from anything, whether it's like, you know, music, live music is kind of a lot of what I've been, uh, kind of trying to reach from lately because uh i you know at hood slam we always like had the live band there and the fans were reacting to it so like when you come out uh with your a band playing your music it's like there's such an adrenaline rush but uh you know in this covid era it's kind of hard to like match that now so i mean you know, yeah even finding myself looking at like youtube videos of like old live shows of like you know silver chair like you know uh foo fighters or old like live concerts to kind of find what attracts people in like a live setting. So like once we do come back, I'll be ready for it. So I guess like in music and, you know, and sometimes in movies too, like kind of steal a little funny nuanced things. Like one of my favorite things, I don't even people think it's really could even really pick it up, but uh, like a lot of times the things that go right in my way in a match, like I always let out the, Oh shit. 
like kind of like a ode to back to the future like yeah. <laughs> falling into the uh, manure truck kind of a deal um so i'll always do like little things like that so like if you catch on you get it it's cool but if not like you know it still makes sense to what's going on you know it's not like i'm doing it to be uh um take too take too much from the match i mean i was still uh on point you know earlier on you also started uh wrestling a bit for uh pro wrestling revolution uh how did you find you know once you learn kind of one style and then you go into you know, working with like Lucha crowds and Lucha style. How did you find the, like the differences between American style, Lucha style, that kind of stuff? Um, I would, it's like in almost in two parts in that, uh, in that question. Cause at first we, uh, when we, I first came over to pro wrestling revolution, uh, I had this spot where I'd always wrestle strong man, John Anderson, uh, legit strong man. He's been to Japan. He's done so much like in his uh, career already. Um, so it was like me and uh, Dave Dutra, we're doing a big uh, disco uh, dancing uh, character uh, tag team at the time. And we'd come out there dancing with all of our stuff on. And then out comes the strong man to destroy both of us. And, uh, um, and so it, then it was still very like uh, your American style of uh, we're getting tossed around. We're getting beat up. We're getting all these big elbows, you know, body presses onto each other, like uh, big splashes in the corner. We're getting everything pretty much still American style. But it was almost like once he kind of moved on and that run with us was over, where um, a bit of that athletic, like quick tag team stuff still got over to a sense. Um, but kind of once I started getting into a singles, I realized how much like Oh, I can't just be, you know, showing up and expecting um, to hang with all these legit like luchador styles. And like I'd go in and try to do a little bit more during training or I'd try to go in and uh, Gabe would have us come in and he'd have do seminars and stuff like that, which I wish I took more advantage of. Because like if I did that at the time, I realized how much I could have probably taken that uh, in a lucha style. But at the time being young, I just feel like I felt like. I was trying to click with what I wanted to do, but it just wasn't working for me, you know? Um, so, uh, still overall really good experience working there. And, um, I always had fun on those shows. They always had such big crowds and strong reactions and, uh, uh, always a fun learning experience there. So speaking of styles, uh, you know, when you were, when you start off, you probably have an idea in mind of like, this is the kind of wrestler I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, did that change once you actually started training and how did it, and if it did, how did it morph? Um, I would say it definitely changed because, uh, you know, being a lighter guy and especially in a big uh, cosmetic big man's business, you have to do something if you're a small guy and, uh, you know, no surprise, I'm a small guy. Um, so I always thought I had to do like flips. I always thought I had to do the fancy moves and uh, backflip moonsault and all that. And, um, I kind of was even training that way and uh, I was training uh, with Jardy France a little bit. Um, He's doing a lot of, you know, flip stuff, backflips, moonsaults. Um, um, so I was training with him doing that stuff. And then um, I would say it was early on in the, uh, when I was training, uh, it was one day where I, uh, I lived pretty close to the, uh, to the garage. So I, uh, Jogged over there, did a little in-ring workout, tried to do some high-flying stuff. And then that's when I kind of realized, like, yeah, maybe this stuff isn't for me. Because I was on the top rope, and we just learned flipping to our feet from the top rope, landing in the mat. And I did one of those and just really, like, jammed my ankle. And uh, it kind of uh, rocked my world because, like, as my uh, legit job I have to, you know, make a living uh, really affects it because it's construction work. So uh, like that's moving every day. So uh, yeah, I realized then it's like, Hey, I can't be doing all these backflip moonsaults, high flying things. It's not that I can't do it. Cause like, you know, I came back, you know, my ankle wasn't that bad. I tried it again. I did it. I hit it. Uh, but it's like, well, if there's other guys who are doing it and they already like feel like I don't want to do something somebody else is doing anyway. So I'll just, that's where the creativity comes in of finding other things to do in the ring. That is like different that a guy like who's my size, my style could do that. Maybe not everybody can. And that's where like coming into watching the minis or the, you know, the luchadors like taken from that style is where it really helped like kind of 
do a mixture of my American style mixed with the Lucha style. And plus my like creativity of like watching wrestling for like all my life to like pick apart all these little things and chop it up to see what works, you know? Yeah. Well, a lot of people, you know, especially uh, the more traditionalist guys in, in pro wrestling, they like to like box Lucha into one little thing. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh, Lucha, it's all that flipping nonsense ball. It's like, well, I know that's not, what lucha is like lucha yeah. is a lot of things lucha can be a lot of submissions lucha can be a lot of ground game like there's a whole lot more going on and then especially with the minis uh i've said it before on here but like you know the american audience has been conditioned to kind of like especially in the old days like laugh at minis mm-hmm. like oh isn't, isn't it funny haha but like no like minis are over as shit in mexico um, and they're spectacular yeah yeah so you know it's it's kind of like reworking what, what people's preconceived notions of what it is that you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, hood slam. We talked about dark chic. I had her on here and, uh, but you've been into hood slam for a while now since what? 2012. I would say so. I'm always fuzzy with dates, but I would say, so whenever they started after their first year, like that's probably when I came on, it was after the first year. Um, and then, you know, I was, uh, they'd I'd always hear like the boys talking about it, like, oh, you know, hood slam, hood slam, come out. I was like, oh, okay, sure, why not? But I never really did for that first few times. But then I was like, oh, no, I want to check this out. And it was uh, still at the uh, warehouse. It was probably like the last few warehouse shows they did before we moved over to the uh, opera house over there. Um, but I'm awesome. You know, it's everything you would want. It's like fun characters. It's like SNL. It's like, you know, movies, all mixed rock. Uh, rock concert all mixed into one so uh i always kind of enjoyed it and kind of liked it out there um yeah (laughs) and how did you notice like the evolution of it since you were there so early in and it kind of has now become this like cult phenomenon it's this big thing you know the chronicles writing articles about it you know in mainstream newspapers like so how did you notice the um the evolution of it. And then like, did you notice it at the time? Like, were you like, Oh wow, this is getting big. Or does it just kind of like a slow thing? So you're like, you know, you don't see the changes when you see it all every time. You know what I mean? I would say I definitely saw the changes because, uh, you know, you know how it was in the mid two thousands of shows, like maybe 40 people on a good night, maybe 75 on yeah. the best nights, maybe a hundred, 200. But like with Hood Slam, like that's what it was. Maybe you know, all of our friends packed into a warehouse. That could be 20 people. It could be like, you know, 60 people. Um, but then once we got to the opera house, like it, it all started changing from there because I think it was just word of mouth. And it was like from all this big opera house and like all this open space to like all these people filling that open space, the wall to wall people. Um, the transition was pretty crazy because like there you are legit uh, 50 people, uh, you know, backstage hands or like girlfriends or boyfriends or whoever, uh, family members. And then it's like, no, this is legit crowds of people who want to see what we're doing. Um, this is real, basically. Exactly. <laughs> so to see it uh, start so small and then to be a part of it, too, was like. I always can't feel, I don't feel like I could take full credit, like for being there since day one ish, but uh, like I was like one year ish, I would think like, yo, and seeing it rise from there. I mean, it's been amazing because like there, uh, it's, I think I'm sure it's been said, but it's like, you know, the land of misfit toys of like guys who weren't being used in other companies or guys who were always like the undercard guys. And uh, now we're just here having fun, doing different characters, doing different things, being utilized in different ways. And, uh, uh, getting over like I'll always attribute like kind of all my live promo stuff to hood slam because that's the first real place I got a live mic in front of like a really hot crowd and uh, um, so like I really attribute a lot of my learning to doing live promos there um, but yeah the uh, evolution of it has been insane uh, I mean like even to the point where like I have always heard like when people throw in money, like that's like an old, like old school thing, like from like Lucha Libre where like, where they throw it in after the show. And like before COVID, we got to a point where people are throwing money in during the entrance, uh, during the match, after the match, like laying there selling, people are still throwing money in for tips. So like, just to know that we got to that point, like, 
I mean, I like that. I always like to take this saying from the office and Andy from the office. He always says, yeah, I always wish you could know when the, uh, the good, good old days are here before they go. And like, I always made sure to take like little mental notes of like, dude, we're doing it. Like we're living the dream right here. It might not be for the big time money, but we get to do everything we want creatively. We get to wrestle the way we want and have fun while we're doing it. Like, uh, Always a, always a great time looking back on a hood slime, uh, anything really. <laughs> yeah. All I could think about now during COVID times is like all the times I didn't go to an indie show. Cause I was like, oh, I'll go next time. Oh, I'll go next time. I'll go oh, next yeah. time. And now I'm like, fuck, I really wish there was some live wrestling I could go to right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. It definitely fills that little void of whatever it is to like, uh, uh, yeah, there's nothing like it really. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people, the, the hood slam, it, it kind of goes with a lot of the, the newer style of wrestling, the newer, you know, people are incorporating everything into wrestling now, comedy, all this stuff. And uh, a lot of people, you know, Sheik mentioned it a bunch about people shitting on it. And it's just like, you left us with nothing. Like, what do you expect? And that's kind of like the way I look at it, too, is where it's like, you know, the indies, like you said, we're going 20 people to a show mm-hmm. and like things weren't working. And wrestling did not was not a boom anymore. So the average person wasn't going to an indie show just for shits and giggles. Like they they didn't, you know. So you what you have to do is you have to think outside the box and do something that's going to draw people in. Sheik mentioned I wouldn't even tell people it's a wrestling show. I would say, oh, there's a band, there's a bunch of crazy shit, people are dressed up, and then you know it happens in a ring, and then like that would like be the thing, you know, and then people would come. So when you think about that, it's kind of like, you know, wrestling. It is a it is a sport. It is physical, but it's also show business, you know. And you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. But you know, so when you, I don't know, uh, what was the attitude around APW when you started out? Because it is a little bit more in that, you know, wrestling. I always say is a a little more old school than the world around it. So, uh, (laughs) you know, what what was the vibe early on about stuff like comedy wrestling when you started out, like did people like, were like, Oh, don't be like those guys. Like, or was there any like opening to it? Like, you know what I, do you not understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So like, uh, as far as I like, from my experience seeing it, like, uh, I was trained by Venice DeMarco, which like you could always say his character was like one of the stronger characters of like independent wrestling being this like, hot-headed Italian guy, which, you know, comes across in it, like, you know, whatever show it is, uh, The Godfather, whether it's, like, The Sopranos, like, that's a hot topic thing, you know, that's kind of a cool character, um, uh, kind of, but, like, a lot of times it would be comedy, because people were chanting, like, oh, where's my pizza, or stuff like that at him, um, so I always thought, oh, sure, it's funny, but these guys are going in there and handling business as a badass tag team. Uh, and then other times, like like also in Lucha, I see things where like there's like comedy spots or other things like that. So I always thought, OK, there is a spot for it. Um, as far as like how like certain people felt about like the as far as evolutioning and going into another company and doing stuff like that. Um, I was always trained by Roland and uh, he was really old school, but you know, Roland would always come up to the uh, hood slam shows anyway, and he'd still check them out. So it's not like he was against them or anything like that. Um, sure. Maybe uh, it might, he might've been past his bedtime a couple times at hood slam and fallen asleep, but he does that <laughs> at every show, you know, or used to anyway. Um, uh, so as far as I'm concerned, like it's, you know, no one's going to want, the same thing out of wrestling that someone else is going to want. Like, just like nobody's Spotify playlists are all going to be the same. You know, we all like our different flavors. We all like this to sing when we're happy. We like this to sing when we're sad. We like this to rock out when we're at the gym, whatever it is, you know? So, uh, I kind of feel like it's, you know, if it's not your thing, just look away. You don't have to bash it. You just, if we're all in wrestling, it's, we're all in music. You know, he plays country, he plays rock and roll. he, wrestles lucha he wrestles strong style you know uh, yeah. but we don't have to bash each other to get to the end point let's just be the best in our uh in our categories and if those lanes collide tell a story that way you know uh, don't just bash it and get rid of it like um but i and also i don't feel like 
I ever had a thing like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. So, you know, I'm not here anymore. Uh, this is the style I'm doing. I'm not doing this. Cause for a long time I would, uh, do like all the shows I was good doing, a hood slam, just doing APW, was doing PCW, was doing, uh, anything I could practically, um, until like you just, uh, kind of run with a show that's running more often and, uh, takes care of you. So, um, and you know, you kind of have loyalty there. So, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I like the fact that, uh, she mentioned that she built a lot of it on loyalty is like, who are the people that actually gave a shit about me? These are the people I'm going to book, you know? And I, I love that idea because, you know, loyalty and wrestling, Sometimes they don't go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially because at the time you could really see like the popularity of Hood Slam, like building, whether it was like the names that were coming in and putting us over, whether it was like just the amount of people that were there, ticket sales, pre-sales selling out, whatever it was. Like you, you just want to be there because you're with your friends and you're creating this special thing. You're not being there because it's like, you know, the flavor of the month. And, you know, <laughs> this flavor's lasted a lot longer than just a month too. You know, it's been you know, oh, yeah. a decade, you know, it's crazy. And some of the PWG guys I talked to said the same thing, like about PWG. What the second once it started getting off, you know, all of a sudden everyone's super friendly. Everyone's like, "Oh, hey, uh, you know, any room for me to get booked?" And like all yeah. of a sudden, huh? All of a sudden, interesting. Yeah. It's probably like my detriment too. Like I'm always just friendly to be friendly, not to like get booked anywhere. So like maybe I should be more m- m- meticulous about like, <laughs> getting booked. But I'd rather just you know just be nice and <laughs> uh, yeah, be natural and genuine. <laughs> You played, you know, the Ryu character and Hood Slam had video game shows. Um, later on, uh, then Hood Slam, AEW does a show that has yeah. everyone as video game characters, not fully in character, but they're all dressed up like it. Uh, you know, the Hood Slam account made a point the other day when they had a, a Broadway musical number on AEW. They're like, hey, Broadway musical. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Uh, we've kind of done that before. So what do you think as a person like, you know, who's part of this so-called small indie promotion that has these ideas. And then now you see them pop up in larger national television venues. Like what, what is your idea there? Do you think that they know, knew about these things or do you think it's all just a fun coincidence of wrestling? Uh, There are some things uh, I would say not more as far as like things I've done, but like, I would say there are definite things like uh, customary to hood slam that you've seen, uh, pop up other places, whether it's like uh, having the show in a bar. And sure, there have been, you know, wrestling shows at bars before, but never like the party atmosphere style of like fans right up to the ring and like, you know, kind of what we were doing. I saw that trend happening a lot more outside. Um, as far as characters and stuff, like those are always tricky because like, just like we kind of said with Spotify and stuff, people love things. Like we all kind of grew up in the same era or generation. It's definitely like, uh, it definitely stings. Like it sucks. Cause it's like, ah, oh, man, we did that like before. And we, you know, so that kind of stings, but uh, you know, more power to them. Like, you know, if they, if we like it, I'm sure other people like it and I'm sure they like it. And um, if they could do it on a national level before we could like, that's cool. But you know, if you're really like adamant about it, you can always look on YouTube and check the dates of like, Oh, this was in 2008 or 2010, not, you know, 2020, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't be too mad. Cause otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> yeah. You've been training others as well now, right? Uh, there was a per- period of time I was training. Yeah. I did a good amount of training with APW at the garage um, before it shut down. And then I did a little bit more training at uh, Gold Rush uh, Pro Wrestling over in Pacifica um, for maybe a couple years, a little bit there. Uh, Yeah. So how did your wrestling sensibilities uh, change, if they did at all, uh, going from just performing to training others? Like what went through your mind as far as, you know, the ideas that you have to convey? you know, did anything change as far as how you looked at wrestling once you started training other people to do it? Um, I don't think a lot of changed in like right off the bat in my mind because I'm thinking like from the way I was trained to the way I wrestled was all pretty like seamless. And like, I'm kind of never one to rule out anything. So it's in a way, you're kind of like always learning uh, in that way. So once it got to training, I would say maybe like, 
it definitely helped keep myself more accountable for myself because I'm not just, you know, doing my own thing. Now I'm, yeah, I'm like kind of molding the early stages of like all these young careers and like, you know, I'm not really anybody. I'm, I'm just a kid on trying to help people out for, uh, they need a trainer. Okay. I'll help train. I'm not like, Oh, Hey, I'm this big name and I'm going to wrestle so good that, you know, uh, I want you to learn from me. It's just, you know, my friends ask for help and I was trying to help them. So, uh, uh, really, uh, I just kind of did what I could learn, passed on what I could pass on. And, uh, I always had a good time doing it. And, uh, if anything, I wish I realized it, how important it was a little more just so I could maybe get a little bit more on my game at that time. Cause I feel like at that time I was kind of like, Oh, you know, I'll just do training and I'll show up for shows. And I was a little bit more relaxed. Like um, maybe it was, I felt a little too secure of like, Oh, well I'm training on these shows. They'll have a spot for me. La la la. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe I got a little too lazy at that time. I wish if I, you know, had that spot and kept my drive, I probably could have done more with the time I had there. But, uh, uh, I kind of say everything happens for a reason, you know, maybe I wasn't ready, whatever it was. Maybe I was just too young. <laughs> I couldn't see the importance of it, but uh, always enjoyed it and always had a good time uh, raising up some kids and uh, kind of doing what I what was done to me back at the time, but hopefully not as harsh, but maybe it's still as harsh. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. And did you see any qualities in any of the students that you're like, oh man, that, that takes me back. That reminds me of when you know, always, was, always when it comes to like the, I think it was always the, uh, the group like motivating each other. Cause that was always a big thing. Like when I was, uh, in training, like, it was, yo, come on guys, let's do it. Let's finish this last set. Or, Hey, you know, if one of us fucks up, we all fuck up kind of a deal. Like it's always good seeing that because like, you kind of feel like a team, like, cause a lot of times, especially once you've kind of start debuting and going on to do your own shows it is kind of very oh much your own show but as you're kind of going through these growing pains there's no one else in the world that knows what you're going through other than people who are in wrestling training uh so i think uh when you can relate to those people it's always really nice to kind of have that and there's some guys who, who i've trained with that are like uh, i mean not even they're not even wrestling anymore we're not even that too friendly but you know it's always nice to still see them, whether it be social media or whatever it is, to kind of keep in touch that way. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and who are some of the the Matt Carlos alumni that are uh, still working? Okay, so out of the people I know that are still working, uh, there's Thunder Rosa, who's still working and doing her thing all around the world, the world champion, NWA, couldn't be more happy for her. But, like, I can only, like, she is legit world trained. Like, I can't say, like, oh, it, she happened because of me. Like, I was lucky enough to be a spoke on her wheel when she came around because nothing was going to stop her. You could tell by the way she worked, by the way she outran everybody on the mile. Like, there's nothing that was going to stop her. So uh, I can't take credit for that. But, yeah, Thunder was in my class at the time. Uh, Cowboy Charlie, who's uh, doing Starboy, he's doing his thing out in GCW right now. He's doing his thing. Um, and there's, like, a handful of guys that, like, maybe had a hand in, but I'm not going to fully take credit for him. And I will say that uh, Dylan Drake was also a uh, golden boy, Dylan Drake. He was doing the training alongside with me at the time. So... Uh, I'd give him credit for that too. But those are just a few of the kids that are doing big things right now. And uh, also Clint Armstrong, he's doing uh, interviewing for the new pay-per-view uh, primetime wrestling network. He's out there doing his thing. So that's cool. Um, and then you, know, you really just see a lot of people come in and come through. Um, uh, but yeah, those are probably the, and then uh, if you're talking about the more local area, like Berkeley brawler and, uh, uh, kind of stuff like that. Guys of all, I've like been in my class and had fun training with and stuff. Yeah. I saw an interview uh, with uh, Thunder Rosa and she was, she was rocking the Matt Carlo shirt. So, you know, always be, always be promoting, always be promoting. Uh, sweetheart, that's awesome. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, brother. The booker has ran out. He says it's time to go home. <laughs> so I uh, got some questions here for you. I uh, don't need to be fast in any way to your responses. Just, some guidelines here to go through, uh, but they're not super strict. So cool. here we go. Uh, much like an indie show, sometimes it doesn't run on time. And uh, 
Uh, do you have any favorite uh, road stories or specific stories that you're like from wrestling that you're like, this shit is crazy or this shit is hilarious. Just something that like, you know, it's like a go-to story when you're in a, in a place that you're like, Oh, let me tell you what happened. Um, I have a couple favorites. I'm not that great as like telling stories uh, or like nailing the punchlines, but the two of the most memorable ones is like uh, my, the first like real road story is probably like uh, we were going, I think it was to LA. It was Sparky Ballard, myself, Rick Luxury, David Dutra and, uh, and myself. Yeah. And then uh, we stopped at the Lost Hills or we also call it Handlebar Randall's. Uh, inside joke kind of deal because somebody drew like a handlebar mustache on the wendy's girl so like we always thought that was funny anytime we passed through there going to la um but like there was a time where we went in somewhere to get food and then they moved the car across the street and like uh, i remember dave like not maybe being like really like super legit scared about it but he was definitely like oh man where are they where'd they go la 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 i'm like you know, they're really just waiting for us to react. So, you know, they're going to pop up any second. Like, we just got food. So I opened up my sandwich or whatever it was. I started eating. You can see Dave was, like, on his phone, like, just. And, you know, before you knew it, they pulled up right across the street. Oh, there they are. Okay, come on, guys. Let's go. Are you taking forever? Yeah. So that's always a fun one because it was always funny. Like, oh, the first one, they got us. Um, and then I would say, like, the other crazy road story was, like, the amount of times I've like had to driven drive through like a snowstorm out of nowhere. I remember one time I was coming back from like Vegas and it was in a van and then I already drove three hours. This is after the show. Of course I was drove three hours. My time's almost up and then it starts snowing and then they're like, Oh, Hey brother. Well, it's going to take way longer if we pull off and switch drivers. So you might want to just drive a little bit through the snow and then three hours later, I'm still driving. It's like six hours after the show in the snow. Oh. You know? And then during the time they have it on camera too, somewhere, somebody has a videotape of it where they're all like, oh yeah, it's very important. Just follow the path because you don't want to, and right as he says it, the car in front of us is like going back and forth, swaying through the ice. It's like, oh shit. It was my first time ever driving out like that or driving a bunch of people in the car, especially in a snowstorm. So uh, yeah, I was going to say East Bay, you're not exactly <laughs> driving through snow every winter, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and then right after that, like, uh, once we got to the stop, you know, the sun's coming up. I'm like, it's 6 a.m. Like, all right, dude, I just need a second. Let me park, get here. I need to step outside, take a breath, and then we can get going. <laughs> but that's also one of my fun stories. I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, this yeah. Is crazy. yeah, I remember one time I was driving back from uh, from L.A., and there was, like, this crazy fog. It was during wintertime. There was this crazy fog on five to, like, the point where – I couldn't see like five feet ahead of my car. And I just remember like driving, like, what, what am I doing? Like, well, I can't see anything. What should I? And then like, all of a sudden, like a car would just go foof, like past yeah. you. You're like, I didn't even see them. <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, no, yeah. I don't like this at all. Uh -oh. no, well, many uh, trips like coming home from LA or like Disneyland like that, where we're uh, it's after hours and yep, it's all, you can't even see five feet in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, if not, uh, I you know wrestling is a physical a physical thing, but I also consider it a very creative thing. You're putting together matches, you're crafting characters. Uh, if not wrestling, what do you do creatively? Um, uh, creatively, I would say like in high school, I was like really into like video editing. Even like right after that, was like video editing. You know, taking the songs, clips of matches. There's probably a good string of like. 2002 2004 ring of honor matches somewhere on my uh, pc that i've got like to all this emo like yellow card and my chemical romance yeah it's all hidden in the pc there somewhere but i used to like do that um more lately i know i've seen your like profile picture you got a guitar but uh two years ago my wife got me a guitar for uh you know it's always been a thing i always wanted to do so it was really cool that she got it for me I'm not any good either, you know, but I just kind of like to mess around. So creatively, it's kind of fun to just like in matches and wrestling, you have an idea and this is what you want to do. And sometimes it goes this direction. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes uh, it works out better. Sometimes it works out worse. Uh, so I think like those are like your creative things that I like to do. Um, and if we break it down to like, there's also like times where like, you know, my kid wants to build a fort. So we find creative ways to like do that yeah. too. So um, they're like a whole bunch of different things that kind of keep me busy. Um, but those are probably the most things. Used to be like video editing more. Now it's more, probably more like music and staying simulated that way. 
Oh yeah, and the uh, the uh, the early the early two thousands, uh, I would download a, a shit ton of wrestling clips on like Kazaa or LimeWire, totally. and then like and I would like put them together to like Newfound Glory or like uh, <laughs> you know some random like all in like Windows Movie Maker like totally yep yeah uh-huh. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna like and I'm gonna tint all of it red because that looks cooler you know like, <laughs> uh, check out this effect ripple yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's what I love about this podcast. Like, yeah, you so like, I feel like I'm so in the seat that you are like, you've seen the same things I have, like experience the same, uh, love yeah. for us, like in all, uh, in all aspects. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. I remember like the big one was like among wrestling circles was like, Oh, if you look on Kazaa, like you'll find a clip of Brock Lesnar doing the shooting star. Like, yeah. and, it, and, it, and that's like this super grainy ass video where you see him do it. And he does like a full gainer when he does it. Like, it looks uh-huh. amazing. Yeah. So I remember like, and then, then you see that WrestleMania when he's finally about to do it and you're like, here it goes. And then he lands yeah. on his face. And you're like, this was building <laughs> for like eight years of my life to seeing him do this on television. And he fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was definitely the way to get him though, was uh, doing it. Kazaa style. It wasn't like YouTube where it was, fully available or like a lot of times i'm sure like you've heard of like it was like click wrestle or they'd have yeah. a video like it was somebody i liked i'm like oh I'm getting that one scotty boots in it you know boom <laughs> or like the early days of youtube when it first started when the the videos could only be 10 minutes long so oh, if there was a match at, that was longer than that it'd be part one of this match part two <laughs> they didn't upload part two what the fuck oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are my matches, man. Totally. Like even yeah. at, like APW, I'd have a couple that are two parters. And like when I finally won like the APW internet title, it was like a three parter, like entrances to the end. So, uh, uh, you know, back in our day, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your uh, favorite move or hold that you don't use? Uh, that I don't use. Um, I like the shooting star press. I think that's cool. Um, I also have always been like, uh, you know, being the small guy and always trying to steal what small guys do. Like uh, six pack, uh, you always used to do like the cross face chicken wing. And I thought for like a small guy, that's a good idea. Cause like, you don't have to be strong. Once you hook those joints in, like a guy's going to tap out, you know? So I, I would say I like that and I don't do it. Also the million dollar dream. I think that's cool. Um, but like, yeah, yeah. nobody does that, huh? I, I, I used to do it. I like, I'd want to do it, but then I, and I'd kind of still do it just to steal for the spot of like million dollar dream, run up the corner, a pin, no, like kind of a thing. But like, I also stopped doing it because like Dutra's, like Dave Dutra's, his finishing move is like the double or nothing where it kind of starts off in a million dollar dream to the face bump. And I don't want to, you know, uh, step on his toes. Not like, you know, you know uh, I'm sure he doesn't even care or notice, but like it, just in my mind, I never want to step on it. Anything close to anything anyone's doing. I just want to do it my style or my own way. So like I figured, Oh, if he's doing it, that's close enough. I'll you know, do something else. So yeah. I started doing the Boston crab and you know, you know, you find other things. <laughs> uh, so in indie wrestling, you get to wrestle in a lot of places, you know, gyms, halls, bars, people are drunk. People are rowdy. Lucha crowds can be crazy as well. Uh, What's the craziest fan interaction you've had? Craziest fan interaction? Um, off the top of my head that I could think about, I remember like uh, we were doing like the video game show at Head Slam, and then uh, the show, the match before me was uh, Sheik, and Sheik was in it. And, something happened where somebody threw a quarter because it's like a video game show. I guess that's a thing to do when you go somewhere is throw quarters, mm-hmm. but I never really thought that was a good idea. And then like he was yelling at the audience or she was yelling at the audience and then the audience were all throwing quarters and I'm coming out right after this. I'm like, dude, I'm dressed as Ryu, bro. It's like going to be nothing but quarters when I go out there. But luckily like uh, he set them all straight and nothing too bad happened there. And uh, I keep, like I have never had like a fan run in or anything like that. You've seen like, I've seen like people on shows where they're drunk or something like that, or they try to uh, do something, but that never really uh, happened during my matches or anything where we had to get crazy. Um, yeah. And then I can think of too okay. right now. Yeah. And uh, besides hurting you mm-hmm. when you're working with someone in a match, what's the worst thing they could do in that match? Maybe it's that thing where like people take too much time to like, like, okay, we get your character. You don't have to do any more, but like they take a little more time to 
really nail it in. It's like, come on, we can, let's get going. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I would say maybe like, you know, forgetting a spot, but like, you know, you know, I've probably forgotten more spots than uh, a lot more other people out there, as long as you can make it look good at the end. So even then that's not that bad. Um, Have you had anyone maybe earlier in your career, especially uh, try to take advantage, like really like, you know, mess up your shine in a match or do something where they're like, they didn't let you get your shit in basically or anything like that. Uh, nothing, not that I can think of anything that did, someone did intentionally, but there, there have been a couple of times at uh, a few shows where people maybe have gotten in the ring at a, like not knowing that they weren't supposed to be at the time. So there's probably one time where I had to be like, stay the fuck out of the ring and like toss them out. Like, you know, like you're not, this isn't your spot, you know? Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, <laughs> that hasn't been too bad. Oh, but I would say to go back to like the worst thing, like one of the things I used to hate was like, uh, people who have like really sharp, like fingernails, like before mm. they wrestle, like, cause I, uh, I'm going to rat them out, but my buddy, uh, Jody Christopherson, when I used to train with him, like he would always like I couldn't tell how like behind my ears across my neck like down my face like it looked like Anakin Skywalker like <laughs> uh, he could like find a way like I'd always be scratched up by him I'm like bro you don't even have long nails I don't even know how this is happening but uh, I think that'd probably be the worst just because it like oh it's such a little thing that like doesn't even really matter but <laughs> I mean, maybe that was a bit worst thing you could do. <laughs> uh, what's the hardest uh, chop you've taken? Who's got the hardest chops? Hardest chop. Um, definitely one of them. Billy Blades got some good chops. And what Watt said I, the Watt said the same thing. <laughs> I would say one of the one thing I like maybe more about his chops though is that he like lets you get one back. Like he's he's not just gonna chop the shit out of you and like oh you know he'll like let you get it back too. So that's always good. Um, I'm trying to think of more people like recently. Uh, the, the twins, the Cuzzies, definitely Stoner Brothers. They definitely got some good chops on them. Um, and then, you know, anybody who comes from a certain time have definitely got solid chops. I can mm. say that. Like, you know, yeah. anyone who's like before that 2000 era, like they all those boys, they got good chops. You don't got to worry about it. <laughs> Oh, and John Anderson, of course. Strongman John Anderson. Yeah, he'll get some good ones in there. <laughs> uh, when's the last time you were legitimately surprised by a worker you were in the ring with? You were just, you know, it could be, you know, you didn't really know too much about them. And when they worked, you were like, oh, wow, this guy's amazing. Or in another way, guys that you had no idea how it was going to be when you worked with them. And it turned out the chemistry was just amazing. You were like, holy shit, I didn't had no idea we would click this easily in the ring. Uh, when it comes to that, like that question, I would say without a doubt, like it's like uh, Dave Dutra, because uh, we like uh, I don't even know like why. Maybe it's I would say it's because we're trained from the same era, but maybe we're just so close in the same generation and age of and of what we've watched of wrestling that it like really clicks easily. Um, I would even say with Dark Sheik, I have that same like kind of clicking ability where it could be like uh, randomly in a match where it's like. Oh, we got this. Like it did like everything else turns off in my mind. It's like we're right where we're supposed to be. And this is exactly how we saw it. And this is it flows and it goes good. I would say that. Um uh, like uh, like new kids now, I'd say like uh Mansoor definitely had it when he was around here. Uh just have when it comes to everything presence, like in-ring promo, he was really good. Uh, Manny Fabrino um, and Steven Cesario, he all he's great too. In the ring, he's solid and always there every time I need him. Um, I think he's real good. Um, of other people, I'm sure there's more. I, these are just guys like I probably just scrolled past like earlier today, and I was like, oh man, I really like them. And it just sticks in my mind right now. You're on the spot. <laughs> uh, has a booker tried to stiff you on money? And if so, what are some fun excuses as to why? Um, one of my favorite ones, like I never like, I've never never big, like, Oh, you're going to give me my money kind of guy. Like, you know, we could talk it out. We could work it out. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Um, but probably the worst one was like, Oh, you know, I got the money in the ATM, but I just got, I just, Oh, he was saying, I got the money. I just got to go to the ATM first. I'm like, well, dude, why don't you go to the ATM before? It's like, well, if you really want to get paid, 
you know, get in this line over here. Well, everyone got in the line. So then it's like, yeah, I guess you're going to the ATM. Like, it's just a funny wrestling story of, well, and then, you know, other, you know, they get you back, you know, so I'm never really too concerned. You know, they'll find a way to pay you if you're uh, asking the right way, you know, whether it's PayPal, whether it's like uh, next check or next uh, payout, whatever it is. Like, I don't think I've ever been wronged in that way. There have been right. some funny ways to get there for sure, but like I haven't been fully wronged, I don't think. Yeah, I just love those stories. Some of the people I've talked to, they've been like literally like at the end of the show, they're like on opposite sides of the ring and the other person just keeps like, like <laughs> you can just tell like trying to dodge them, like not be in the same area <laughs> to not get asked. Uh, so random. But that's the way wrestling is, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's see. What's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? I probably had to do with me like in like some serious spot where like uh, it's just like this street fight death match or garbage match or something like that. We did one of those things like a casket match, but you got to put your person in the trash compactor. Um, uh, so we did one of those and like there's a spot in there where like oh, I'm just going to put the ladder on the guardrail and then I'm going to climb on the ladder and then. I'm going to jump off. It's going to be totally sturdy, but it wasn't. And I totally ate shit. So like, I think that was like a funny thing that really made me laugh. And then uh, I think in the same match, like I was supposed to get choke slammed on top of the garbage can, but like I got choke slammed on it and then just went right through it through, through the doors. So I think, how did I end up here? Like, so that was kind of funny, but uh, just everything going wrong when it comes oh, totally, to totally. Yeah. Uh, and there are other like there. I'm sure there have been countless times at Hood Slam where like because they some of the boys come up and girls come up with the funniest things to do and waste it and incorporate characters. So I would probably say my hardest laughs have probably been there and probably in the ring while it's happening too. <laughs> uh, what's some of the worst gimmicks you've seen? Um, worst gimmicks. Hmm. Uh, um, that's a hard one. I can't really think of like anything that's maybe Simon Dean, like because I really love Nova, but hey, maybe not like that's in like the WWE, but can't really think of it to anything too much. Like, I really hate it, you know. Okay, um, uh, how about this one's uh, a little bit more? Uh, what's the what's some of the most overused gimmick you see? Like, like for instance. When uh, the, the the late 90s, early 2000s, I always use this example, so I apologize to anyone watching or listening to this, but I always say that a shit ton of guys in wrestling wanted to dress like Raven. Uh, sure. For some reason, everyone had the cutoff t-shirt with the jeans and the boots with the white socks, like to the T. And it was just like, you can you vary it a little? Like yeah, some of them even yeah. had the chokers and it's like, good God. Like A lot of Hardy uh, Boys too. I've seen a lot of Hardy Boys in my day. <laughs> oh yeah, there was was the Young Bucks. Like You just look at them when they were started out and you're like, oh look, you're the Hardy Boys. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd say one of those that uh, like one time this kid he came out like not in like a kind of looks like it, kind of it resembles it, but he came out like in the exact thing like Kendrick and London used to come out in like the shorts, the kick pads and all that. Like it was the exact copy. So I'd say maybe that was like the one of the most scandalous, like crazy. I can't believe this is happening. Like, yeah. Feels. Um, I kind of yeah. like in wrestling to comedy in that way. And that like a lot of comedians, when they start out, they, they emulate kind of what they, what they want to be. So mm-hmm. then like for like a longest time, like every, a lot of people sounded like Chappelle. A lot of people sounded like David tell a lot of people sounded like Louis CK, you know, before he became an asshole. Uh, <laughs> like basically like a lot of, so I think that happens a lot in wrestling where like, you'll get a whole lot of stone colds out of nowhere. You get a whole lot of hardy boys. And yeah. then eventually you have to like find yourself and then get your own gimmick basically. Yeah. That's always been one of the things I always try to do too. I always, like, I never wanted to be the guys like, Oh, this, this is uh, trending right now. Let me go do this spot. Like I never wanted, I always wanted to like, just, kind of pick and choose like little things and kind of mix it in in my own way. Cause I feel like that's where the real artistry is. Like anyone could, you know, it'd be a carbon copy of the exact same thing, but if you're taking little parts of it and being inspired that way to make it something else and kind of make it a whole new part of the song, then I kind of feel like that's a little more, there's a little more uh, art and, you know, uh, art to that than it is just, Oh, tag, like, ah, that's the thing I do is like everybody, uh, AJ Styles, you know, leapfrog, drop down, drop kick. You know, he's been doing it for years. He's still doing it. Let him do it. You know? Yeah. 
AJ Styles flip to the outside. Everyone's doing it. Let him do it. You know, you're not doing it as good as him, but I guess the new trend uh, too is like the V triggers, the big knees, like everyone's doing knees now. It's like, Oh God, just let yeah. them do it. You know, the, the knees need no. to calm down for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I liked, uh, I, I don't remember who it was, who I was talking to now, but somebody mentioned uh, wearing kick pads when you don't throw kicks. And I was like, <laughs> now that bugs the shit out of me. Once they mentioned that, now I can't get out of my head. I watch like a show on, I watch a wrestling show and I'm just like, he's not throwing a single kick. Why is he cold? Why is he wearing those things? It bugs it me. Cool, bro. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were like, oh, he's probably too cheap to buy boots. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is, uh, you know, this isn't a, a shoot gotcha podcast. So for me, uh, this question, you don't have to name any names if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, any former WWE, WCW, ECW, or just big name indie guys that you worked on the same show with that thought they were bigger than the show, acted like they were bigger than the show, just rubbed you the wrong way, like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that was who this person was, anything like that? Uh, you know, honestly, there'd probably been like, for me, probably like a handful because they're like a couple. Like, like I said, I'm a smaller, lightweight guy. So, like, in clothes and or in a sweater, like, I, you know, I look like a fan, you know. I don't really look like a wrestler too much, but, uh, like, then. So, I'm sure, like, there are a lot of people who I've had shared locker rooms with where I'm going, hey, man, how's it going? You know, go out to give the handshake. I'm like, oh, hey, buddy. You know, they give give one of those. or But, uh, like, that's probably the worst. There hasn't been anything where there's anybody who's too big of a dickhead or too big of a diva. Um that is like uh, affected me negatively anyway, that I could think of. Um, yeah, there hasn't been anything. I've been pretty lucky. Everyone I've been with have been pretty like legit and respectable too. That I could think of. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's good. Uh, so uh, I'll end on this one. Uh, I call this the touchy feely question of the podcast. It is your pure joy in wrestling, whether it be before, during or after the match, something that when it happens, you get the goosebumps and you're like, I fucking love this business. This is why I love wrestling. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say it's like any time, like, uh, yeah, as like a wrestler, like, you know, musician or whatever it is, like when you have that idea and then you kind of bank on that idea and you go it over in your head and over in your head, you're not telling anyone, it's just in your head. And then you kind of wait till it's like this perfect little idea. And then you're like, okay, let me go share it with somebody. And then you share it and like, oh, hey, what if we did this tonight? And then, you know, cause a lot of times, uh, I've got I've got I've got ideas when it comes to like wrestling, and a lot of times I've gotten a lot of, uh, maybe, you know, maybe not tonight, or oh, well, why don't we do this? And it's like completely not what I wanted to do, just something they wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I would say that's probably like my favorite is when I like have this idea of a spot or like an idea or a moment in the match, and like it's played out perfectly, and then we're rewarded with like it getting over or looking good or anything like that. Cause there are a lot of times where like, especially early in my career, I thought like, well, let me just be quiet. Let me, let me just do what everyone says, la la la. And then I kind of like, well, I can make a difference by making it better. If I just said something like, you know, I, I saw it myself. I knew it was going to happen. I could see it happening in my mind. Uh, so I'd say like now speaking up about things and uh, being able to like, see it forecoming, see it in my mind, relate it to somebody else, have it happen and make it look cool as shit. Like that's probably like my biggest joy is when like the spots come off super clean and that pops there for it. Yeah. I love that. Also my, also my entrance, like when I come out to the ring, cause I used to have the band play me out the hood slam band and they have the raddest song that I was like, Oh, can this be my entrance song? Uh, they released it on the album and it was like, like, Oh yeah, perfect. I'd love it. And then, so I'd say that was probably the coolest thing too is like uh pure joys like the because it's like a real slow like kind of like new metal style rock song I guess I, and then they're just kind of wailing in the back and I'm taking my time not really pumped up but more like laid back kind of free flowing my way out there so I think that's kind of fun too because it kind of like oh this guy's coming out different than everybody else so we're probably gonna see something different in this match and that's kind of like what I like to portray as I go out there yeah you like set the tone for people who might have who might be seeing you for the first time exactly perfect yep <laughs> very good well brother thank you very much for being on the podcast before we finish though please put yourself over put over merch any anywhere people can check you out and uh also, maybe a match or two that you think if somebody's not too familiar with your work, like the two that you're really proud of or two or three that you're really proud of that you want them to check out. 
Oh, awesome. Cool. Thank you. So uh, if you're looking for looking to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter or uh, Twitter or Instagram that Matt Carlos. Um, that's me. Uh, I think I also got a YouTube that's got a lot of matches. It's either Matt Carlos movement or that Matt Carlos, one or the other. It's probably a good handful of both. Um, as far as matches you'd want to check out uh, of mine, they're uh, from way back when. I had a you know, great set of matches. Anyone you, with me, Dave Dutra, is going to be a good match. Probably one of my favorite matches ever is a match with me and uh, Dark Sheik uh, for these, that same internet title. Um, I was well, like, what, when we were outside, there's a dive that just happened, and like we probably still had 10 more matches, 10 more minutes to go. And I, I knew like when we were in that dive out spot, like, Oh, it's happening. This is like exactly the way we wanted it. And it was perfect. Uh, so I'd say that match, uh, more recently at hood slam, I was lucky enough to wrestle Brian Kendrick, who's like one of my heroes growing up in like indie wrestling in the two thousands, you know? Um, uh, so that was like a big fight feel match for me at hood slam. Um, so I'd say those are probably like the coolest ones I would check out. Very good. Well, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate you being on the show. Right on. Thanks for having me. I love the podcast and I uh, can't wait to listen to all, all the others. 